Sal, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for joining me this morning. Pleasure is all mine. Sal, where are you calling from? Uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. All right. Well, well, welcome. This is episode 10 of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion, part of my Spoilers Alerts podcast. And uh, our special guest today is Sal Schipolitti. And Sal, I to and, and say that the reason we're all getting together, or you guys are all getting together in less than two months, is to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Long Island Championship team. Um, and you are the one who scored the winning goal in that game 50 years ago. So maybe you can begin by just sharing your, your, your thoughts, your memories, anything at all associated with that game, that goal that scored in the aftermath of the victory. Okay, sounds good. Um... Well, uh, as you know, that we had uh, you know, we had just finished the Nassau County Championship, and I think up to then uh, we we won a lot of games pretty easily because we, we were a pretty good team. But uh, when we got to the uh, to the final to the final Long Island Championship, I think the other team was pretty good too, and uh, we. Um, I think when we got off the bus, we realized that we were going to have a, a tough game with these guys. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and uh, and it so was. You know, it was pretty tough during the uh, uh, regulation time. It was zero zero, and uh, you know it, it took a lot of time, took a lot of effort to to win. And uh, what I recall mostly is a couple of a, a few episodes. Uh, the first one was, I think, uh, that most people are. Talked about was the when Tony Higgins uh, stopped the uh, the forward the Longwood forward from scoring basically you know the guy had taken was just on a runaway right. towards the goal and uh, Tony just came out of nowhere and just uh, took the ball away from him that was amazing mm-hmm. uh, the the second episode was that <clears throat> and this was uh, in one of the articles that I was just. Uh, reading the one that uh, Leon sent, right. uh, the was that I about I think I guess the the article says that it was in the uh, first uh, overtime period. I had uh, received the ball from uh, I guess the defense I cleared the ball and it landed on uh, it was coming towards me, so I stopped the ball on my uh, thigh, and then I I took a shot. And uh, the ball hit the crossbar, uh. and the crossbar, and uh, landed on the ground, and then just, I think the goalie took that ball. And uh, what I remember about that is that I turned around, and I saw Mr. Wright take his hat off, throw it on the ground, and stomped on it. I, I think we can all visualize that happening. Yeah. yeah. And of course, then the the, the last one is uh, the goal. I was um, <clears throat> I was basically on the uh, on the top of the penalty area, and uh, Leon Rosenberg was on the left side of the uh, the field on the left side of the penalty area, and uh, as he usually did, he just took the ball away from some, one of the defense guys, and he saw me and passed the ball to me, and uh, as as I received the ball on top of the penalty area, I just I had one of the defense guys in front of me, and there was a, a bunch of defenders and players in the, in the penalty area. 
and I just uh, faked the ball to the right, and then I moved to moved the, the ball to my left, and I took a shot, and the ball just went through a sea of legs right into the into the right corner of the, the net. Can Can you describe the feeling when you saw the when you saw the ball enter the the goal as it did? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, all I can all I can say is that uh, I mean, obviously the ball went in. I couldn't believe it. But right after that, what I remember is that Chris Collins. Came came towards me and hugged me so hard that I basically couldn't breathe anymore. <laughs> and and then two seconds later, I mean, the whole team was on top of me, mm-hmm. and uh, and it took about five minutes for me to get out of there. But uh, it was unbelievable. So it's uh, it's a vivid uh, memory that I have. I still have. Now, Sal, were you a junior or a senior on the team at the, that year? I, I was a junior. You were a junior, so you repeated again the following year. Right. And did anything that second year um, come close to the, the feelings and the emotions attached to you scoring that winning goal in the first Long Island Championship? No, not really, because I think the second year, I think I just I was just listening to um, the previous podcast, and, and the, the the second year, I think we, we were really good, and, and uh, we didn't have any problems. I think the final... The final game, I think we won by, you know, we scored five goals or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and uh, it was a lot easier the second mm-hmm. year. So, Sal, maybe maybe we can back up a little bit and talk about your introduction to the sport of soccer. How did you get involved and what did it what did it entail for you? Um, you know, the, the, the time that you put into playing soccer as a middle school student or even before that. What, what was it like for you, your introduction to the game? Well, I was, uh, you know, I was born in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Italy in Sicily actually for 13 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, playing soccer in, in Italy is, you know, you're born with it. Basically, you you play on the street, you play everywhere. Uh, at the time, you know, we that was the only thing that we could do to enjoy ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we would uh, play, you know, by the 10, 9 years old, all my friends would we would play in the in the streets and the, on the beach and whatever we could find the space to you know kick something, right. not necessarily a ball, even a can. Uh-huh. And uh, you know that's so that's how I grew up. But I never, while I was in Italy, I never really played in a formal team. It, it was just you know just playing in the streets. And you'll learn the skills you know by looking at other other guys, older guys, and. And everybody else, you know, that's, that's basically what it was. But you know, it's in it's in Italy and other a lot of other countries, you know, where soccer is the main sport. That's what happens. You know, you just learn it by looking at other people, mm-hmm. other players. So when I moved uh, to New York, to, to New York in Long Island, I uh, moved to Island Park, and um, I was my parents uh, enrolled me in school at the age of 13 when I was there. And I, uh, I went to Island Park, Island Park Junior High, I, uh, no, Island Park Elementary School. Mm-hmm. The first year, they put me back because I couldn't speak the language. And uh, <clears throat> that year, at, I had to go back to summer school for uh, English. And the, uh, my English teacher, Mr. Sears, asked me if I was interested in playing soccer in a team. And I said, sure. And so he recommended me to Jimmy Montana. 
mm-hmm. at the time. So Jimmy called me and I joined the team. And uh, I remember that uh, that team was uh, at Kelly, uh, Whedon, Andy Collins, uh, Billy Happ, and uh, I don't remember anybody else. But so that was the my first time playing soccer in the um, in the U.S. So that was one of your teachers, Mr. Sears, is his name, or was his yeah. name? And yeah. was there something that he recognized in you, your athletic ability? Did you ever talk about your love of the game? And what was it that prompted him to encourage you? The yeah, way he did? knew that I played soccer. And I guess we must have, I don't remember exactly, but we must have talked a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, playing soccer. Right. And uh, he knew this guy, you know, he was a friend of his. And so he recommended me to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess it, from his perspective, it was not only playing soccer, but also for me to, uh, uh, you know, be with other other people that spoke English, so I can uh, improve my language. You know, my language skills. Mm-hmm. So I think you're one of the few uh, players on the team that actually played for both Joe Goldberg and Jimmy Montana. Right. I um, I played for uh, for Jimmy and for all through high school, but I when I came back from college. I joined uh, Joe Goldberg's men's team, mm-hmm. uh, and I played with him for a few years. And I also was coaching uh, one of his youth teams. I think it was thirteen-year-old uh, kids. Mm-hmm. That, that's um, really. It says a lot, though, that you had the opportunity to play for three different coaches, all of whom were passionate about the game: Joe Goldberg, Jimmy Montana, and then Artie Wright. Yeah, definitely. What, was there a similarity uh, aside from their passion that you can uh, share with us that you recognize in them, or did they have very distinct styles in your mind? No, they they were all very distinct the way they went about the you know, coaching. Um, and Joe, Joe, I think Joe Goldberg was probably the most passionate one because mm-hmm. you, know, you you could you know you know you know the way he was, but uh, yeah. you could see the way you know he would run around the field and. Uh, uh, scream at everybody, and uh, uh, you know you could see that he was very passionate in the in the game. And obviously, he came from Europe, so he he was involved a lot more in, in that game than, than the other two guys. Jimmy, I have no idea. Jimmy Fontana, I have no idea how he got involved in the in the, um, in the soccer mm-hmm. world. But he was a lot quieter. But he was also. He was passionate because, you know, I couldn't believe what he would do every every uh, weekend. He would just pick everybody up and take us to the to the uh, to the games. And uh, his wife would come along, and uh, we really had a lot of you know a, a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mr. Wright was, I, I think it was explained more uh, by other the other guys that. Uh, he was also passionate, but uh, he, he was tough and he was funny. And uh, uh, but he didn't. I think none of the three really uh, uh, coached uh, strategy mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on the, for the field. You know when we practiced. Right. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Mr. Wright was more like you know you knew where to put people, where where what positions everybody should play, and then I think that was his. His skill. Mm-hmm. Sal, you mentioned uh, in a prior conversation leading up to this uh, podcast that you also coached 
youth teams. And uh, did you draw upon anything that your coaches um, presented as, you know, uh, coaches during your, your early career? Did you draw upon anything that they provided as part of how you approached the game as a coach? Um, not really. I, I was, uh, I mean, like I, you know, I, I lived soccer all along. Basically, I watched a lot of games. I, I played a lot of games, so I, I basically developed my, my understanding of the game, which was, I think, different when I was in high school, college, and, and afterwards. So I, um, well, obviously, you know, the athletic part. Uh, and uh, the skills, you know, to, for uh, understanding, mm-hmm. you know, the, the athleticism of each of each player, yes. But in terms of strategy, the game, you know, developing a strategy for the game, no. I think I just went through myself, you know, and just trying to understand what the what the game was all about. So, Sal, if, if there is a soccer player who played under you all those years ago who's being interviewed or asked to think about their introduction to the game and they remember you as their coach, what do you think they would say about your, your coaching and what you brought to the game for them? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I think you, you uh, can make anything up here. Nobody will know the difference. <laughs> no, the, the only thing I remember is that uh, I, um, like when, it, when I started coaching uh, Joe Goldberg's uh, young team, I uh, I try to develop you know practice a lot of strategy in the uh, in the game you know and telling them where where to position themselves and where to pass the ball and you know do a given you know pass the ball to the left wing and go back to the right cross and things like that where as I recall in in my game you know when I was playing nobody ever really told you anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I've just tried to develop a strategy from the f- defense to the f- to the offense, or where where the ball should go for the ball to end up in the penalty area. Right, uh, Sal. I have to say that um, you're not the first one. This is the tenth episode of, of this uh, high school uh, soccer reunion uh, podcast. You're not the first one to talk about how soccer soccer influenced your life. Maybe you can share with uh, those who are listening um, how this game really did uh, play a large role in, in how your career path evolved. Uh, yes. Well, I, like I said, soccer has been part of my life all, 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 all along. But uh, playing in high school and in the other teams uh, definitely has a, had a big influence on me because I, uh, when I graduated from high school, I, you know, I went to college and I, and I full scholarship to the University of Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was offered a scholarship there and, uh, that helped me a lot financially because, uh, my parents didn't have much money. Mm-hmm. And, and then after that, in my sophomore year in, uh, college, uh, my, my father passed away. So... I probably wouldn't have been able to finish college if mm-hmm. I didn't have this help you know, from the tuition, right? From the scholarship, right. so, so you know it, it had a big impact on me from from that perspective. Um, so financially, it, it did help you to get through the four years of college. But the the uh, being a part of a team, 
the discipline, the camaraderie, whatever you can associate. Oh, yeah. Do you find that you're drawing upon yeah. any of those experiences in your professional career? Definitely, yeah. The team building aspect is, uh, is the most important part, I think. Uh, you know, getting together with everybody and you know, working towards a common goal, it, it, it's definitely uh, the most important part of, you know, playing in soccer or any other you know, team mm-hmm. sport. Stop. I'm and sorry, that, go ahead. Yeah. No, and that helps in, uh, in uh, your professional career. You know, I worked in a big bank for a long time with 100,000 employees, and so we always had to get together and work towards a common goal, which is very difficult. So, Sal, maybe you can talk about um, post-graduation from, from college and, and where you went from there. Well, uh, here's another interesting point. Uh, after I graduated from college, I went back to Long Island, uh, to Highland Park, and lived with my mother and looking for a job. And then that's when I started playing with uh, Joel Goldberg. And actually, Mr. Goldberg was the first guy that helped me find a job. You're kidding. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, while we were, one weekend while we were playing, I asked him, I said, Mr. Goldberg, can, can you help me find a job in, in New York or somewhere? And, you know, he just said, yeah, sure, let me see. And a couple of weeks later, he called me and he said, uh, hey, I have something for you. Uh, are you interested in coming to work in Manhattan? It's not a permanent job, but it's mm-hmm. a job. I said, sure. So uh, I went to the place, and uh, I don't know if you know, he was an actuary. I couldn't remember. I was, I was and, trying to remember what it was that he did. And, and you just right. reminded me of that. Yeah, he was an actuary, so he had a a, pen, a union uh, off a unit company that he was working for, and they needed some uh, some help and cleaning up some books. And uh, he introduced me to them, and then I started working at that company for maybe about three mm-hmm. four months, and then from then on, I went on to. You know, that, that reveals a side of, of Joe Goldberg that I'm not sure many people know or, or recognize in him. That shows a lot of compassion oh, yeah. and empathy and, and willing to uh, to put himself out there for members of the community. I, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Um, so, I was very grateful for so that. So from there, where did, where, where did you go? Oh, I, um, I ended up, uh, I worked for a couple of, uh, companies, you know, uh, for about three years at two more places. And then I ended up uh, uh, at uh, Manufacturers mm-hmm. and Trust. I don't know if you remember sure. that bank. Uh, I went to work there in the international department. And I was there for 25 years. Now the bank, that name is no longer in, in operation. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is today is J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. Chase. So we went through, I went through four different mergers with all these New York banks. And I went to work there. And uh, after, let's see, four years, after I got married and had a, a young boy, uh, I was transferred to mm-hmm. Brazil. And I worked in Rio de Janeiro for five years. And then I came back to the U.S. for another year, and then I went back to São Paulo, Brazil, for another mm-hmm. five years. And and from there, I went to Mexico City 
I worked in Mexico City for seven years. And then after that, I came back, came back mm-hmm. home. I like to say that uh, when we left, my, son, my, my older son was uh, eight months old. And when uh, we came back to the U.S., he was going wow, to college. Oh, my goodness. Uh, was soccer as much a part of their lives as it was a part of yours? Not as much, but I did play in Brazil. Uh, I, was co- I coached their team. And for a couple of years, they did play there in the, in the youth mm-hmm. team. And and you said you're you're calling from Fort St. Lucie. And, yes. Uh, how is it that you wound up there? Are you that much of a Met fan, or is that completely? <laughs> no. Uh, no. What happened was that um, when we lived overseas all these years, uh, it was customary that uh, you know the wives or all the wives of the expats would leave during the summer when school was over, and go back home. And so my wife would uh, leave uh, after school was over for Florida, where her parents mm-hmm. were, and with, with the kids. And they were in uh, Pembroke Pines in Florida. So every year we did that for a long mm-hmm. time. And then so when we were in Mexico, uh, I thought just you know decided that rather than spending time you know with, uh, with her parents. Her parents' apartment, which was very small, said, let's just buy a house mm-hmm. there, and you can spend more time there. That's what we did, and you know, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed being in Florida. Uh, so once I retired from the bank, I just, we decided to move, uh, to move back mm-hmm. to Florida. And that was, in, that was actually in Boca Rotono, not in uh, Port San Lucie. So when we came down permanently, we built a, a house in Port San Lucie. Mm-hmm. You said also that you uh, started... A small business. What, what was yes. that? Yes. Yes. Uh, once I uh, retired from uh, the bank, we moved to Florida, and I, what I did is I started. I bought a franchise. It's actually a hair salon fr- franchise called Great mm-hmm. Clips, and uh, not too not too familiar in New York, but it's it's very big in the Midwest, and. Uh, I bought a franchise for, for this hair salon, and uh, I actually built four, four different mm-hmm. ones during the 12 years that I was mm-hmm. in the business, and uh, I just recently sold it in March. So now are you truly retired or, or not? Yes, now I'm truly well, retired. Well, trying to see what I have well, to do well, next. You know what? I, I don't know if you're aware that I retired in June, and I was retired for all of two days before I went back to work in the Oceanside School oh, wow. District. But um, in February, I plan on fully retiring again <laughs> at least that's the plan huh. um, right. so how did you find out about the upcoming reunion I know that Jerry reached out how was it that you found out about it oh uh, that was funny because uh, Jerry had called my house and left a message that day but I um, I wasn't home so when I was going to one of my uh, stores uh, the manager approached me and said, somebody just called you uh, that wants to talk to you about soccer. Uh, I said, I, and I think the name is Jerry. I, said, I have no idea what, you know, I told him he wanted your phone number. I said, I wouldn't give you, give him your phone number. Did you number. immediately think of Jerry Capone or you didn't? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then when I got home, my wife says, there's a, there's a, a message here from somebody Named Jerry Capone. Do you know who this guy is? 
and I just obviously connected the two together, and I I called Jerry yeah. back. Sal, did you keep in touch, keep in touch with um, other players from the team since the uh, championship seasons? Uh, no, no, I have you know I've been away so long that I just you know never really kept in touch but with I, anybody. So I guess it's safe to say you, like all the others, are really looking forward to reconnecting after all these years. Oh, definitely, definitely, I look forward to well that. To meet everybody, and it's just amazing how you know everybody's done, you know, understanding what what they've done in all their their lives and uh, what the accomplishments that everybody has has done. Well, I'm I'm happy that I've been able to be a part of this, and I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. And I'm looking forward to meeting you on uh, November 17th, and it should be a great a great experience and a great time for all involved. Definitely. I look forward to it. So, Sal, once again, thank you so much for your contribution to the uh, the 10th episode of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion, which is part of my Spoiler Alerts uh, podcast. So we look forward to seeing you in, in, uh, in November. Yes, All definitely. Right, Sal, thank you. Thank All you. Right, take care. You be well. Okay. Bye. Take care.